and welcome to The Schism. This podcast is all about critical thinking, dot connecting, the nature of reality, and trying to uncover the truth about the world we live in, society, who we are, and where we come from. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Schism. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Adam. Hello, everyone. And today's episode is entitled, Trust the Science which is a phrase that we've heard a lot during the pandemic, kind of sums up the insanity of the COVID era, which despite the lack of recent mainstream media news coverage is far from over. Now, trust the science is a phrase that was used in the UK by the likes of Boris Johnson and Chris Whitty and Matt Hancock. You were hearing it from everyone, Fauci, like follow the science, trust the science. When they're explaining the policies set by the government, like we're trusting the science, we're following the science. And it was something that you were hearing world leaders and health officials all over the globe saying, it's a little bit like Build Back Better. It was like a catch call. They were just saying it again and again. We're trusting the science. And it was even bleeding into like the general public. Say you said you weren't getting vaxxed or you were vaccine hesitant, as they like <laughs> yeah, to say. It was, it was the most common response is someone would say to you, don't you trust the science? I love vaccine hesitant as well. Definitely doesn't describe the people at the marches like, I'll die before I get this fucking vaccine. <laughs> yeah. He's a little more than hesitant. It's like describing like William Wallace from Braveheart as like hesitant. <laughs> Doesn't really fit, does it? No. But yeah, it was kind of like a bit of a go-to for people. And it's such a nonsensical phrase, trust the science. Like firstly, you're not being asked to put your trust into science. You're being asked to put your trust into Big Pharma. Yeah. Not science, as well as your government, the mainstream media, all of which have got a notorious history of lying and then also the most obvious one is the fact that science is there to be questioned and challenged like that's how you do science yeah (laughs) we even talked about this phrase trust the science it makes no sense yeah it's kind of got it's kind of got that q and on like trust the plan vibe about it which richard willett told us was borrowed from a much older soviet disinformation campaign trust the plan and it's like a dogmatic religion. Yeah. Like it, you know, you're having to put your trust, your faith into something. And it's not something that should be challenged. It's just set in stone. Yeah. Like the tablets, you know. Yeah. It can't be challenged. You have to trust in it. And if you don't, you're a non-believer and you're a sinner and you're a anti-vaxxer. Although I don't think that was laid in on Moses' stone tablet when he came down from the mountain and was, don't be an anti-vaxxer. I don't remember <laughs> that was on the Ten Commandments. <laughs> It'll be on the updated list. Like <laughs> like we're going to later, they've updated the COVID symptoms. Maybe they'll update the stone tablets as well whilst they're at it. But science isn't an ideology or a dogmatic religion. It's not like science is some vengeful god that you must never question. Science begs to be questioned. Like that's how we move forward. And we like gave the example of in the Theory of Everything movie. Yeah. We learned that Stephen Hawkins wrote one book and then the following book was to try and disprove his theory or theories that were in his previous book yeah. that everyone was really shocked by. But he kind of laid out that that's the point in science. And so many of the things that are presented as fact are theories. And it, it's something that just gets updated all the time. Well, and until I guess you could say it's like a lot of things, the more pieces to a big puzzle we have, the picture keeps on getting bigger. It doesn't necessarily mean we complete the whole puzzle yet. 
we just get a bigger and clearer picture of everything as we more things get keep getting added. Yeah, and sometimes you have to go back and completely rethink certain things. But I feel like in the age we live in now, science just doesn't want to do that. It doesn't want to go back and rewrite the the history books or the science books. It's become more of a dogmatic religion yeah. where everything is set in stone and that's just how it is. Like but even things like the Big Bang Theory are just theories. I mean, the clues in the name, <laughs> Big Bang Theory. <laughs> Who's to say that's how the universe died? But yeah, if science was never questioned, we'd still be giving children cough syrup with heroin in it and spraying people with DDT and like smoking the cigarette brand that your doctor recommended. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you go back and look at old smoking ads, it would say stuff like more doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. Yeah. Or like the smooth taste expectant mothers crave. It's true. Yeah. Light them up. You're smoking the two now. This is back in the age when there wasn't even smoking laws. I mean, if you think back in, what, the 50s and the 40s, children were smoking. I mean, they weren't smoking Marlboro Reds just yet. I mean, they were just dealing with... <laughs> they were just on the Marlboro Lights. <laughs> yeah, you know, kids were smoking. Yeah, it was advertisers having health benefits. and There was, like, loads of things like this. Like, even things like asbestos was another one. Asbestos was used as an insulator... I don't know if this is a worldwide thing, but in the UK, like loads of people were insulating their houses with this. Even when I was at school, our school had to be completely evacuated because I mean, asbestos clear out. And we'd been in there for years and it was like, are we breathing in this stuff? Yeah, there was people that were having to clear out the whole of their lofts, like their attics and stuff, because it was full of this stuff and it, and it was pretty lethal. Yeah, you get that stuff in your lungs and it's going to cause all sorts of horrible diseases. We learned from the UK clear-out operation that was somewhere in the 90s, possibly in the 80s, that they cleared loads of it out of churches, schools, uh, council housing. There was loads cleared from. Yeah, if you inhaled the dust and digested the fibres from asbestos, it's permanently trapped in your body and can cause cancer and even a progressive lung disease called asbestos, which was obviously named afterwards. It wasn't like they named asbestos after the lung disease. That could have been a giveaway. <laughs> Hang on. But yeah, this stuff was like everywhere. And another one as well was Teflon. I don't know if you've watched the film Dark Waters. No, I'm, I know about the scandal, but I haven't seen the film. It's the story of the case against the chemical manufacturing company DuPont. Them mm. evil bastards. Sounds like an evil name. Evil Corp after they basically dumped a load of unregulated chemicals and subsequently polluted the drinking water of a whole town. So it started with an investigation about these cattle deaths, which led to them finding out that DuPont had dumped thousands of tonnes of toxic sludge in a landfill next to a farm. As a result, it killed all the cattle. They were just dropping dead. And then afterwards, this whole town was polluted, but... Later on, that led to a much larger revelation, which was the fact that the same chemicals were used to manufacture Teflon non-stick pans that everyone was using, and even stuff in people's carpet flooring. So DuPont had been running tests for decades, and they found out that it causes cancer and birth defects, but they'd not made their findings public. You would never look at a bacon butty cooked in a frying pan ever again. So people were getting cancer from their non-stick pans. So DuPont ended up getting fined for 16.5 million over this. And companies that we're putting our trust into with these vaccines, we're talking billions that they've they've paid back in compensation for 
things like vaccine injuries and from their products in general. Yeah, I mean, this is before even they were making vaccines for the COVID period. Whether, yeah. Whether it's Moderna, Johnson Johnson. Well, Johnson & Johnson's a good one because they had, they, they had to withdraw their baby powder after a type of asbestos was found in the sample. That's actually what it was. Type of asbestos. Funny how baby powder is white just like asbestos. And you're speaking for someone who used to work with plastering, so I know what asbestos is like. Itchy. Itchy. The worst thing that you'd want down there. Wouldn't want to breathe it in. (laughs) Johnson & Johnson were facing more than 34,000 lawsuits, including from many women who claim that they used the baby powder and then also developed ovarian cancer. Yeah, it's pretty serious, man. I mean, if they can't get baby powder right, why are you going to trust them with an mRNA vaccine or any kind of vaccine or any kind of baby powder? <laughs> yeah, so Pfizer had paid $2.3 billion in a settlement for fraudulent marketing back in 2009. That was the largest healthcare fraud settlement in history. And, and 10 years later, they've got the license to make yeah. vaccines for a so-called cold that everyone's got on the planet. Yeah, so these companies, these megacorps that we're being asked to put our trust into, are some of the most mistrusted companies in one of the most mistrusted sectors. They've had to pay back collectively billions over the years leading up to this. And then now suddenly we're being asked not to trust the science, but to trust them. And look at their histories. Look at what they've lied to us about before. Yeah, the list is endless. So since our attention has been diverted away from COVID and onto the Russia-Ukraine conflict, there's been quite a lot of new revelations that have happened with little to no mainstream media coverage. Well, this is the whole idea of the Ukraine-Russia war is to totally divert everyone's attention from some quite serious revelations. I mean, Yeah, that's definitely a part of it. I mean, jacking up the prices of everything and causing the economic disaster that is causing in UK and Europe and probably America by the looks of things. Oh, sure, yeah. Not China. I think I think they'd be fine. <laughs> but a massive distraction is definitely another big big part of it because things like the Pfizer clinical trial data has dropped and it is pretty damning. I mean there's a hundred and fifty eight thousand recorded adverse effects from the jabs featuring all the injuries that us crazy conspiracy theorists have been saying for the past two years, such as myocarditis, blood clots, bell palsy, strokes, heart attacks, you know, all the things that were branded as crazy conspiracy theories have now come out and they're just there, listed. If you think about that, that's 158,000. On that list, they actually noted 1,261 of those to be serious health risks. So. You could imagine 158,000 was not enough to put you off. You had to worry about 1,200 of those being enough to kill you. Well, do you remember these clips of people like that worked in pharmacies and things where they were where they had the vaccine sent to them and they were taking out the kind of paper foldouts yeah. Yeah, and they were completely blank. Yeah. It's like, do you think they just couldn't fit the 158,000 on there? That's quite a lot, isn't it? I mean, maybe they thought, oh, just leave it blank. But yeah, it would have been quite a different story because that's what it would usually contain, the ingredients and the possible, you know, injuries you you could get from taking this thing. And this was just blank. 
Now compare the blank sheet to the 158 possible, sorry, 158,000, <laughs> even 158 would be a lot, wouldn't yeah. it? Be like, bloody hell, what are they? <laughs> They're not bad things, are they? Out of the 158, you know, blood clots, myocarditis, heart attacks, yeah. risk of strokes. <laughs> Have you heard of Bell Palsy? You know, even 158 of like the worst would still be pretty bad. Yeah. There's 158,000. I mean, there's things on there that we didn't even know about, did we? I mean, yeah. some some of the some of the illnesses we had to look up, and yeah, right. one of them was to do with me- affecting the memory. Yeah, affecting memory and cognitive issues. I mean, it, that could explain why Biden can't function. <laughs> how many jabs has he had? Hang on, how many jabs has this guy had? <laughs> He's got to have at least a hundred. He's had more than anyone else. That's the whole point. They want like a nation of Bidens. Oh God. Yeah, I mean, there's literally 32 pages of side effects. So if it was like one of them old school adverts that we were talking about earlier, it'd be like, ask your doctor if a drug with 32 pages of side effects is right for you. (laughs) But yeah, in the first 90 days, apparently 1,223 people died after the mRNA jab. And just to give that a bit of context, like the swine flu vaccine was pulled after just 50 deaths. And that, that's just the tip of the iceberg because we all know that the uh, yellow card scheme in the UK are uh, only like a fraction of the ones reported. Uh, that's been proven in a Harvard study where they said it's anything from like, you know, 10 times that amount. Yeah, yeah. Because people just aren't aware of this. They just don't even report the injuries. Well, you know, we wouldn't know about these Pfizer documents if that, was it Judge Pittman, hadn't said to them that they couldn't keep the information under wrap for 75 years? 75 years. I mean, years. We, we wouldn't even know about this whole revelation if a judge had gone, hmm, your company was chosen to give us a vaccine that, bear in mind, these guys were paying out billions in settlements. They were allowed to be given a license by the FDA to create a vaccine. And then what they knew about, all these terrible side effects, I think everyone had a right to know that. You know, Reese. Well, think. and if they had their way, we wouldn't know no. for another 75 years. I don't know how many of us will be left then. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's given us a clue. Because it is a bit of a random amount of time as well. It's like, why 75 years? Well, do you want the truth? Yeah. Well, that's when most of you will be dead and the ones that will be left will just be controlled zombies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, Fauci as well. Like, as things sort of eased, he just done a disappearing act. Oh, yeah. But there was, like, memes on social media with him on the back of milk cartons and stuff. Like, have you seen Fauci? Like, he just, a bit like COVID, he just disappeared. I thought he got in the big point, like Dr. Evil, (laughs) (laughs) flew into space. Fauci just going up in the rocket. I thought that a bit for a while when Elon Musk was doing all this stuff. I was like, is he, like, planning an escape? (laughs) Well, do you remember the Jeff Bezos rocket that was shaped like a penis? Like, it was ridiculous. These people are the real-life Dr. Evils, especially yeah. Bill Gates, who we get to later. Yes, I, I definitely think Bezos or Musk together, they hid Fauci. I reckon they sent him up into <laughs> orbit. But then he's, then he's recently come back, and now it's come to pass that Fauci lied about the efficiency of Mars, he lied about the efficiency of boosters, and he lied about before Congress about funding the Wuhan lab. So, (laughs) yeah, it wasn't looking great for him. Things eased, he just disappeared. So he went from being on the news literally 24-7, telling people how to live their lives and exactly what they had to do, to then just, like COVID, disappearing, and no one knows where the hell he is. 
But he's recently come back and he and he said on a televised interview that if people have been double jabbed, they won't really need a booster, right? So the chief medical advisor of America has said basically something that would probably still be classed as disinformation on social media, something that could get you banned. The chief medical advisor is saying, oh, you don't really need a booster, like, two's enough. Yeah, and this guy has flip-flopped on the whole mask thing throughout the whole pandemic. Like, you should wear one, you should wear two, you should wear three, don't wear one at all. It's just insane. And he come out on the TV recently and used this winning line when asked if there would be any future lockdowns. Well, you use lockdowns to get people vaccinated. Oh, really? And there's been, like, recent studies from, like, someone from John Hopkins University where they basically said that lockdowns were ineffective and didn't really make any difference. So it's like all these people that said, trust the science and follow the science. Okay, so you're trusting the science. Have you looked at the new Pfizer documents with 158,000 different injuries you can get? Have you looked at... John Hopkins' study when they said, like, the mental health has gone up, like, the suicides have gone up. Basically, lockdowns were the worst thing we could have actually done for us. And they didn't work in terms of containing the spread of COVID-19. What COVID-19? Yeah, right, exactly. But they didn't work regardless. I mean, we know all these things already. We don't need some, like, boffins to, like, tell us this. So we also know now that 2.9 million people died from influenza and pneumonia in 2018. Then there was a 98% decline in flu cases in 2020 when they were telling us, oh, the flu's disappeared. It just disappeared and then a magic new flu-like thing called COVID-19 came back and took its place. Yeah, so then 2.8 million die of COVID in 2020. So it's basically a straight swap, like a rebranding exercise. And never in history has one illness disappeared only to be replaced by one with the exact same symptoms. The only time I've noticed something of this slightly incremental difference was when they changed the Pringles carton <laughs> and they changed his face. The moustache was different. So in the UK recently, we've had the carry-on of this ridiculous scandal over the Boris number 10 Christmas party where him and some of his constituents were fined £50 for breaking the rules. Right? <laughs> <laughs> <Like> £50. <laughs> How much are they on a year? I mean, it's so pathetic, isn't it? And the first article that I looked up about this was saying, well, we're saying it's only £50, but here's why it could be up to £10,000. Well, even £10,000 for these people is nothing. You know, I think Boris's excuse was hilarious because he said he didn't know the rules. The quote here was he was mortified and did not knowingly break the rules, but he made the rules. So that's worse. Like you said, it was literally like families saying goodbye to their loved ones via an iPad because they couldn't be in the same room as someone that had COVID. And them lot were having cheese and wine parties over at number 10. And I think the point that people are missing is like, they obviously didn't see COVID as any kind of a threat. And I know people will say, yeah, but they were working together and they were getting tested regularly and all this stuff. They weren't the rules that they were imposing on everyone else. And they knew them rules were bullshit. And the way they were carrying on was like there was absolutely no threat because they must have known, because they were the ones pushing this propaganda, that there wasn't. So another new revelation that's happened in the world of COVID is nine new symptoms have been added to the official list. Oh, nine. Another new reason to trust the science. Not quite ten. It's not quite a top ten. 
yeah, I'm sure another one will be added very soon. <laughs> Picture on this article from BBC News is a girl blowing her nose in the wind. It says, a runny nose is now one of the recognised symptoms of COVID. A runny nose. The sniffles has now been added to the official list. The official list of COVID symptoms has been expanded to include another nine signs of a coronavirus infection. Updated guidance now lists symptoms including a sore throat, muscle pains and diarrhoea. Oh, the man. move comes more than two years into the pandemic and just days after free testing ended in England. However, the NHS cautions that many of the new symptoms are very similar to those for colds and flu. No shit. <laughs> Hang on, what was that the figure again? That it was 2.9 to 2.8? Oh, it's really similar. So similar you almost wouldn't know unless you were told. The original signs of a COVID infection that were recognised in the UK were fever, new continuous cough, and loss of sense of smell or taste. And I feel like people loved that last one. Loss of sense of smell and taste. I mean, every person that was trying to convince you that they'd had COVID-19, they would say, no, it was different. Oh, it was the trademark of COVID-19 symptom yeah. number one. No, this time I lost my sense of taste and smell, which you lose all the time when you have a cold, and flu, but no, no, this time it was completely gone. I'd completely lost it. It was like the one symptom that they could grab onto because it was slightly different to the others, but it actually wasn't. But it was known from the early days of the pandemic that this trio was just the tip of the iceberg, it says here on, <laughs> on BBC News. And the WHO and other countries, including the US, have used a longer list of symptoms for some time. However, there has been a debate in the UK about precisely which symptoms should be recognised and qualify somebody for a COVID test. Okay, so if, if, you, if you can't decide, or you should have to debate which symptoms qualify... It's not deadly. If it's symptoms up for debate, does that even surely prove it even exists? Well, it says <laughs> here a headache is a known symptom of COVID. Oh, is it? But you might not want to test everybody with one, as there are so many causes. You could stand by a fan by the window and get a cold headache. What about, what about if you chew the ice out of a drink of Coca-Cola and get, get brain freeze? Does that headache count as COVID? Jesus. I mean, every time like a wife says to their husband, like, Not tonight, love, I've got a headache. Uh-oh. Oh, every time you go to take an aspirin. <laughs> Every time you turn on the mainstream media. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fever, cough, or loss of sense of smell or taste was settled on, apparently. The science is settled. That was another thing they were saying, too. Because they were either present in most COVID cases, yeah, because most people were fucking ill, or almost exclusively caused by the virus. Really? But now the list of symptoms include a further nine. That's right, not 10. It's not a top 10. It's a top nine. <laughs> <laughs> Typical COVID. I know, just couldn't stick another one on there, could they? One, shortness of breath. Okay, so anyone just been out for a run? <laughs> Any fat person that's walking up a flight of stairs. <gasps> <gasps> oh, fucking hell. I yeah. think I've got it. Anyone wearing a mask? Yeah. Oh my God, I've got shortness of breath. you still got the mask on. Oh no, because I've got COVID. <laughs> Feeling tired or exhausted? Oh, jeez. I mean, I think that's most people after the last two years. Yeah, or anyone who's just had a large Sunday roast. <laughs> Aching body? That's anyone over the age of 30. That's the case I've had COVID for about eight years. <laughs> Headache? 
Oh, crikey. Come on. Sore throat, blocked or runny nose, loss of appetite, diarrhoea, or feeling sick or being sick. What would clarify is just feeling sick? I walk around most days feeling sick. Sick of this goddamn world I live in. I mean, seriously. I mean, this is just like someone who's work shy, like a skyver. This is a skyver's wet dream, isn't it? Anyone that's work shy is just going to love this. Oh, these nine new symptoms are like the nine blessings from God. Yeah. yeah. No, you, you like can imagine someone like testing positive for one of these tests that doesn't actually test for COVID and pings positive for almost bloody anything you can think of. And then you can just blame it. I mean, before you could just blame it on cold and flu-like symptoms, but now you can blame it on anything you want. Feeling tired or exhausted. I mean, I'm fucking tired. After the weekend you've just had. I'm not fucking surprised. Yeah, no, there's one aching body. Yeah, you put yourself through it. Headache. You know how much you've drank last night? Sore throat. You smoked a 50-pack of Marlboro. <laughs> Blocked a runny nose. <laughs> you don't have grandma gear. <laughs> Diary. <laughs> well, what about a bloody curry you had on the way home? <laughs> I stayed in the bed out all night. Feeling sick or being sick. You seen that mess on the patio? You still not cleaned it up? You filthy bugger. It's basically outlining, you know, a messy weekend. Yeah. That just looks like a sesh head out on a Friday night. He wakes up in the morning and those are all the symptoms he's got. Yeah, perfect for the Monday where he can just call in sick, like, I've got a PCR test. I mean, you know, it says one of the known new symptoms is diarrhoea, and I'm shitting out the eye of a needle. It's like, well, we did go for that curry last night, and you did have a vindaloo. No, it's never done that to me before, man. <laughs> <laughs> this time it's got to be COVID. It fucking stunk of curry when it come out, obviously, but it could be like the Indian variant. <laughs> it makes sense. No, but honestly, it's literally at the point where anything imaginable that you could have health-wise could be blamed on COVID. It goes on to say here, COVID infections are at a record level in the UK with 4.9 million people, about one in 13 of us. Estimated to have the virus. See, that, I don't get that because I can't think of 13 people I know. It then goes on to say, free testing for most people in England ended last week, but the testing was the reason for that. It, yeah. it was the constant false positives that were pinging that were these outrageous figures, because as we know, it was all based on cases and not... It was never a pandemic. It was deaths. It was a case pandemic. It then says the NHS says people should stay at home and avoid others only if you have COVID symptoms and a high temperature or if your symptoms are so bad that you are not well enough to work. Well, if that's the case, you stay at home anyway. The thing that they go back to all the time is always just the common sense that everyone knew at the start. It's just so frustrating. It was a professor, Tim Spector, from the King's College London who was campaigning for the expanded list of symptoms because of the data that people were tracking it via their Zoe COVID-19 app. And I guess, I mean, we don't know anything about this because we're not going around, dude, tracking every little fucking sniffle we get. But I can imagine these people that are so wetikoed into the whole... Oh, God, I've got the app. 
I got the every time I got the COVID app. Every time I get a sore throat or my, my piss looks a slightly different colour, I'm gonna yeah, send, right. ping something okay. off, off to this huge database of all these completely useless but never-ending list of added symptoms. Yeah, just millions of hypochondriacs. Add into the list. Well, he then goes on to say the main symptoms of coronavirus have finally changed after two years of lobbying. Hooray! Cracking. So if you think you couldn't get the symptoms right for two years then why are we still calling this a virus it should yeah. be nothing and also like hooray at more things that can just get blamed on covid as if it wasn't enough with cold and flu-like symptoms which was already producing the figures enough to shut down the world from just rebranding the flu trust the science so in the uk now things have really eased up like all the restrictions have lifted when you go out people aren't wearing masks everywhere like they used to even in the supermarket most people aren't wearing them. It's really almost disappeared into thin air, which should be raising alarm bells for anyone, even if they were an avid COVID believer. They should just be thinking, whoa, what the hell was the last two years about if now it's just not a threat at all and everything's lifted like it never even existed in the first place? But so, so many people have just gone back into the wild, mask-free, everything's back to normal now. <laughs> yeah, they just swapped the mask for like a Ukrainian flag. Just been a seamless sight up one to the other. Let me just take that mask from you and just hold out your hand here. Here we go. Yep, just wave that in. That's it. I'm not over the last sight Okay, just give her a I stand with Ukraine mask. <laughs> but things easing up lulls people back into a full sense of security and it also takes the wind out of the whole resistance movement because a lot of people are just thinking, well, things are back to normal. And let's not forget that they're now coming for five to 11 year old kids. Yeah. So the vaccine agenda is still being pushed and pushed and pushed and they're now going for younger and younger kids. I mean, you think about it, if they were pushing this on 5 to 11-year-olds when the protests and stuff were in full motion in the UK, this would have been huge. But now things have eased, they can get it on younger and younger kids and it's not going to get the pushback, well, the push at least in the UK. The pushback from the marches, at least the ones we've all been to, were a combination of the lockdowns, the, the mandates, the mandates uh, all the stuff, whether it be the nurses. But I guess, like you said, now that it all has calmed down, they can sort of quite covertly still go about business. And they ease up like this all the time on purpose. We've talked about it before. Yeah. Yeah, and focusing on young people, like they've also managed to normalise heart attacks and strokes in children, like we spoke about in a previous episode with things like this British Heart Foundation ad campaign where they're trying to tell us that, oh, it's normal for young children to have heart attacks, which we all know is just mental. And the advert is a young girl collapsing on the football field, which is pretty apt because a jaw-dropping 769 athletes have collapsed while competing over the last year, obviously since the rollout of the VAX, with the average age of players suffering cardiac arrest at just 23. See, they say trust the science, but where's the science behind that? Give me the science behind why more young athletes are... It's just unheard of before. I mean, even in football alone, but when you hear that figure across the board, it's just undeniable that there is something that is happening there. But the only time I've heard it discussed was actually on, like, an Australian news broadcast which looked like their equivalent to the UK's match of the day where there was a few presenters talking about a recent player that had gone down again one of them saying oh but he's had the booster 
and then they were like saying, yeah, you know, more people need to talk about this. Too many players are going down. There was another presenter there that said, oh, I hope you don't mind me saying, but I know since you've had the booster, you've had Bell Palsy, which you've linked to the vaccine. They were having a pretty candid conversation about wow. this on their equivalent of Match of the Day, which I was pretty shocked by because you definitely wouldn't hear the likes of With Gary Lineker <laughs> saying that. No, well, congratulations to them, the Australians. You know, I'm glad that there's people out there who are willing to risk their career and occupation yeah. occupation to spread the truth. Well, I think they're further down the line than us too, where things have got to the point of such seriousness that they obviously feel the need to speak out. You know, they are in a worse position than us because they are literally further down the script. They got the vaccines earlier than we did in the UK. They've had much worse lockdown conditions and mandates. Oh, way, way worse. So, talking of recent revelations, there's been the whole Munich Security Conference finding a way out of the pandemic featuring Bill Gates and Ted Ross. And really, we want to pose the question, would you trust these people to find your way out of a pandemic? I definitely trust them to find our way into a pandemic. Bill Gates and Ted Ross together are Bill and Ted, as in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, or Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which is probably what it's more likely going to be. But I don't know if anyone's realised that before. I know. Bill and Ted. Come on, it's pretty random. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It was quite an important video for anyone who wants to get an idea where they want to take us. Yeah, we want to break the video down, going right from the top. So it starts with an intro from a rather strange-looking man. I would compare him to Gollum from Lord of the Rings. I'm not sure where they found this fella. No, he doesn't look too dissimilar from a Bill Gates-like clone. Maybe like an Austrian-Swiss version. Like a clone that had gone wrong. The runt of the litter, so to speak. <laughs> well, give this Gates one the shitty news job. <laughs> yeah, give him the intro. Thank you, master. <laughs> He's like the hunchback. So a female presenter comes out onto the stage and she introduces the show again. The fuller title of it starts with get well soon finding our way out of the global pandemic they've really tried to like fluffy it up with that get well soon considering all the sort of impact and the turmoil that they've caused get well soon is like their the little card they send you you've had your whole life ruined get well soon <laughs> so she then goes on to like start introducing the guests so you've got and oh, she keeps on saying her Excellency. Yeah, I don't know whether the host, the host is referring to yeah. him as... She's like, Her Excellency, the Foreign Minister of Canada, Melanie Jolie, and Her Excellency, Anna Lund, the Minister of Foreign Affairs from Sweden. So it's like, straight away, it's not like she's introducing, like, doctors or scientists or, oh, here's one of the founders of mRNA, Robert Malone, or, or, or expert on virology or something. These are like, oh, Her Excellency. And then, obviously... Bill Gates, the co-chair of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Bill's probably like, where is my excellency? Me and Melinda deserve our titles. <laughs> oh, I mean, he's like probably still annoyed that, uh, you know, why isn't it just called the Bill Gates Foundation? What about his excellency? Lordship or grand emperor or wizard or something. <laughs> not even a doctor. And then, of course, later, doctor, not a real doctor, Ted Ross who's going to be late. 
don't worry. She like tells people like he's the he's like the headliner of a festival. Like Guns and Roses are coming, guys, but they're gonna be a little late. But hold tight, hold tight. Oh, yeah. She's really trying to say to people like, don't worry, Ted Ross is coming. He's just he's flying in from Brussels. You see, he's a busy man, but we know you want to see him, and he's coming. He with his greatest hits, and he's like this guy. I mean, he's like personality less. He's so boring. It's hard to stay conscious when he's speaking. To be fair, all the panelists were a little bit boring. Even our fifth one which was the ceo of crisis which was comfort era i mean <sighs> we'll get into her in a little bit but i said she looked like a boggling like a fish out the sea like a mm. but one of them like ugly deep water fish you know, like, like really like, deep you know the deeper you go yeah. the uglier you get she's on the bottom you know. yeah she's a bottom feeder <laughs> yeah so of course even with all the excellencies the first person that gets asked the questions is gates i mean he's the most senior one there no, completely unelected, no qualifications whatsoever in health or anything, anything as far really. as I'm concerned. And yeah, his uh, Gates is sitting there, like yeah, really, really cocky. The way he sits, like, he's kind of laid back in his seat, like came, he owns a place. Almost like he came just to turn in the numbers. <laughs> I, I do own the place. You know, I, I'm a billionaire. <laughs> That's the point. Like the way he's sort of sitting there, it's like a sport brat. It's not like a billionaire. No. It's, it's bizarre. Yeah. Got slumped in his seat and his body language is terrible. He's always got his arms crossed on the defence and suddenly... Even at times when he's been posed with something that he wants to deny, he sort of covers a bit of his mouth, little facial tics like rubbing his nose. Yeah. There's a lot of disingenuous feeling coming from Gates, that's for sure. Yeah. And when he's cornered, he, he acts in either a very passive-aggressive and patronising way or just flat-out aggressive and quite rude. Like, he thinks he's a he's an expert deceiver, and we'll go on to talk about him more, more and more, because he's definitely the most interesting character there. There's a lot of truth that comes out of his mouth. There Similar is. to, I've just watched the Jimmy Savile documentary on Netflix. I know you have as well. Brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fresh in my mind, but it's similar to Savile, both philanthropists. I'm sure Savile would have gone on Epstein's Island, given the chance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they both got like that kind of thing going on, and... Also, both putting the truth right in front of your face, in plain sight, all the time. Now, we go on to some of the things that Gates said later on in this, but just like Jimmy Savile, he's, he's giving people the sound bites. Yes. He's telling you there's going to be a pandemic too. He's telling you, sarcastically, me and Fauci killed millions, but he's still giving you the sound bite. He's still saying the words. Oh. He refers to the vaccines late, later on as magic. Yeah. I mean, this, this guy says a lot of weird shit. It's like your weird, creepy uncle at that garden party. And, you know, he's talking about things very prophetically. And that's how this lady that asked the, the first question, that's how she kind of phrases it as well. Like she like says to Gates, like, so, you know, you've been majorly ahead of the curve in terms of predicting pandemics way before COVID-19. I mean, it's like you knew. Mm. Bear in mind, this guy's not a doctor. He has no medical degree. But she's telling this guy, you were a prophet. You knew this was going to happen. How? Well, judging if anyone had watched his TED talk <laughs> seven years ago, oh, Bill knew there was going to be a pandemic, that's for sure. And this lady asked Bill, how would you assess where we are in beating COVID-19? And Gates replies pretty bizarrely, saying, sadly, the virus itself, particularly Omicron, is a type of vaccine. It creates both B-cell and T-cell immunity, and it's done a better job of getting out to the world population than we have with the vaccine. So he's, he's used the word sadly. So he's basically saying sadly, the virus itself is a type of vaccine that has done a better job than the vaccine. Well, 
Why are you saying sadly? That's a good thing, isn't yeah. it? Surely think of the money we could have saved about rolling out a massive vaccine programme that was never needed. Yeah. Which, which would not be funny. A lot of doctors were saying in the beginning, weren't they? If we want to get over large diseases that hit a population quite quickly, herd immunity. Yeah, natural immunity. So what he's basically saying also, yeah, is natural immunity works and is actually more effective than the vaccines have been, sadly. Sadly. Yeah, well, we can't make money off of natural immunity. That's the trouble. We want to make money off of selling you vaccines that you don't need. And that is so skated over the whole of the rest of this yeah, it's conference. A, it's an hour, but he drops it right at the beginning. It was an hour-long video, and within two minutes of it starting, he's basically, you never needed an mRNA vaccine for anything. Yeah, and still to this day, if you talk about things like natural immunity, you could get banned from social media. I remember a little while ago, the hashtag natural immunity, was that a banned hashtag? Yeah, you was. couldn't use it. I tried to use it on Instagram and it was like, this hashtag's not available. I thought, <laughs> you're banning natural immunity. I mean, you know things are bad when hashtag natural immunity gets banned. <laughs> I mean, you are living in Orwell's 1984. Yeah, then he quickly goes on to say that surveys in African countries say that 80% of people have either had the virus itself or had the vax. And this means that the chance of severe diseases like being elderly which is not a disease, weird thing for him to say. Obesity, uh, don't think that's a problem in Africa. Oh, yeah, you always see them obese people covered in flies. Oh, no, they're a bag of bones. <laughs> Even diabetes, I mean, that's a, yeah. that's a disease related with sugar intake. I don't think they eat a lot of candy bars. Yeah, that was the third one. Being elderly, obesity and diabetes have, have all drastically reduced. Well... Why? Why, for starters? And also, you're talking about Africa and you're talking about obesity and diabetes. And then, like, yeah, he's, like, saying, oh, because they had the infection exposure, that's made a difference out there. Well, they said that coupled with 80% of the population have either been exposed to a vaccine or an infection variant. Yeah, we're just saying, like, oh, what, like, an elderly person's going to get it and be like, zippity-doo-dah, that's, that's put another five, ten years of my life. Can't wait for the booster. <laughs> that should put about another five on. <laughs> when I get to 100, I'll still feel about 80. It's just crazy. Or like a, and a what? So an obese person with diabetes is going to take this vax. Suddenly it's going to be like Popeye. Like, woo-hoo, I feel a million dollars. I'm now, thanks to the vaccine, my chances of dying from a severe disease are way down. I'm still obese. I need a crane to get lifted out of my house, but I will survive. Well, how does that even apply to diabetes? What is a diabetic person that's got an issue with sugar regulation in their body is going to have the vaccine and all of a sudden they're going to be, I can have six donuts a day now. No, you're still going to be diabetic. If you still eat six donuts, you're going to die. It's, it's crazy. He then says, it's sad we didn't do a great job on therapeutics. Again, that's something that people like Joe Rogan were saying. Like, yeah. where's the information that the government are putting out or the World Health Organization to say, this is how you boost your immune system. Yeah. You know, get lots of exercise. This is the type of you... fruit and veg that you need to eat. These are the vitamins you need to get. Get some sunlight. They were telling us the opposite. You know, stay indoors, wear a mask. No, nothing that, was, that would lead to it being more preventable. No, no, no information to say how to boost your immune system or about nutrition or no. exercise. In fact, a lot of the incentives that they were offering people were stuff like, I'll get you know free Krispy Kremes or McDonald's. or They were all stuff that was bad for your health. Get 50% off at Nando's. It was like, why aren't you 
Yeah, at least giving away a lettuce like, with that. Fruit yellows. <laughs> yeah. Like give away healthy food if you're gonna give away food or encourage people to do stuff that is actually gonna prevent them getting it in the first place. So Gates goes on to say, with vaccines, it took us two years to be in oversupply. And today we have more vaccines than there are demand for vaccines. It's like, yeah, that's because millions of people don't want them. Or billions of people. No wonder you've got an oversupply. People are refusing these outright and will never get them. And other people that have had like one or two are refusing... The booster. Yeah. The next one. Or the booster. They're saying, no, two I was told was fully vaccinated. I'm drawing a line in the sand. A bit late after two, I would say. But, you know, still good saying still good. Yeah. no more is no more. But millions are now jumping on that bandwagon saying, no, I've had two, but I'm not having a third. So of course there's a bloody oversupply of these things. I'm surprised it's just 300 million. Yeah, and he says, next time we want to shorten that two years to six months and we can do that with mRNA. So straight away he's just saying, A, there's going to be a next time. Like he's so sure, like next time we, we as in you as well, Bill, so you'll be around. Bear in mind Spanish flu was like 100 years ago. So he's saying, oh, there'll be a next time and I'll be there. Don't worry. We'll do a great job. <laughs> oh, you just think there's another pandemic like round the corner. And bear in mind, he's not talking about another Omicron or something like that. That would be a variant. No, no. He's saying there's another pandemic, a fresh new disease on its way. Even though the Spanish flu, for example, was 100 years ago. No, no. There's going to be one right around the corner. They're going to be like buses now. Well, the, the golden ticket, like I said before, was, but don't worry, we've got mRNA to save the day save the day even though we've already been told by Robert Malone how dangerous mRNA is and we shouldn't be using it in vaccines yeah we have no idea what the long term study data is on mRNA vaccines because there is none <laughs> everyone taking part in this trial is taking a part in a trial whether they know it or not yeah so he's basically offering the solution to the next pandemic already saying oh we can cut it down to six months but to do that We've got to not only rely on mRNA, but rely on this ACT accelerator, which Ted Ross brings up later on. But they've got a whole plan worked out here. Like next time around, it will be different. Oh, it's like Six the, months minimum. Oh, it's like the WHO now got a little special department. Just going to move it along at like warp speed. And all of them as well are missing the point as well. Like what people were hesitant about was the fact that they felt like they were rushed and there was no long-term study data and stuff. Reducing the time from two years to six months doesn't solve that problem. No. That still doesn't In fact, there's us, even less time. Yeah, it doesn't give us any long-term studies then. Any at all. Well, no. six months. But in Bill's brain, it's all like, it's got to be faster and faster. Soon it won't be six months, it'll be three months. And then after three months, it'll be one month. And then finally, you'll just be able to press a button on your phone and it will come out and inject your arm. I'm talking 3D printers with vaccines. As soon as the new variant appears, the vaccine appears. It appears as an update on your phone. No, have you seen this new thing at the moment? There's like a, a new app that's about to launch where you cough into the phone yes, and it tells you if you've got COVID. Because COVID the COVID, it can detect the decibels that the COVID cold would give off. I mean, it's probably just as accurate as the PCR. But that'll, that'll give more plenty entertained for years. <laughs> See, babe, I told you it was the COVID cough. It just sounded a few decibels off. <laughs> when you're doing it as well, you're really putting it on. <laughs> <laughs> you just go go to your local pub and just press record. There's all the all the old men in there. <laughs> See, boss, yeah, yeah. It's way high on the chart. This one it says you've got a lungs of an eighty-five year old. An eighty-five year old with COVID, though. <laughs> yeah. So she then asks Mystic Seer Bill Gates, 
Will we see another pandemic before we're able to beat this one? Hang on, just let me look into my crystal ball. <laughs> yes! I talk about not a very long timeline. Will we see another one before COVID's even out the fucking door? Blimey. You guys don't waste any time. And then Bill's just like, oh yeah, we have another pandemic. That's literally his like, reaction. Like, oh yeah, of course. Reason for that? Well, I don't need to give one. I'm Bill Gates. I'm an expert. Trust me. I was right about the last one. Mm. And there's another one right around the corner. Oh, he was so right. He says, yeah, we have another one. It will be a different pathogen next time. Oh, okay. He hints that there be future mask wearing. Like mask wearing will just be like the norm. But the thing he said that always startled us is, you know, we got one program at the moment that's actually looking at eradicating the common flu virus. Yeah, so he comes out with the boast that, oh, I believe within a decade we will eradicate influenza and coronaviruses. Well, 25% of all coronaviruses are common colds. So he's basically saying, with vaccines, we're we're soon eradicate the common cold. Oh, so we've had thousands of years. No one's ever been able to cure and, and like you said earlier, we were talking about it, said, but would you want to? Isn't the whole part of getting a cold is your body expelling all the crap and the gunk that you've built up in yourself, whether it be yeah. stress-related or actual illness? It's like dis-ease. Your body is at dis-ease with itself, disease, mm-hmm. and it's flushing all this out of you. It's like when you get sickness and diarrhoea or something, you need to get everything out of you. That's what your body's doing. You don't just run off and get an mRNA jab. You know, you deal with it the natural way. Your body needs to heal. And your body's telling you, you you need to get rid of all this shit. You've got a cold for a reason. And a week later, you're feeling better than ever. You're feeling better than before you had the cold. Yeah. Because you needed that that purge, that cleansing process. Exactly. But, yeah, Bill Bill wants to stop all that. He, He predicts in 10 years he would have eradicated something that for thousands of years no one's been able to stop and bear in mind only moments ago he was saying natural immunity was better than making vaccines and he wants to make i mean it's convoluted and it's confusing so after gates has said his piece you then have the next specimen that comes up which is the lady that looks like a boggling what's her name comfort era comfort her name's comfort and she is the ceo of the crisis international group okay right Basically, what she just kept saying over and over was that Africa, she basically made the same point that Bill made at the very beginning. Africa had not been given anywhere enough vaccines compared to the West and the rich countries, and there was inequality there. And she kind of mentioned that countries have abused their authority over COVID, you know, authoritarian governments. But these aren't to be really supposedly Western countries. I mean, she's using countries like Venezuela, uh, Bolivia, you know. Yeah, she was saying they've been sort of taking the piss with the rules and, you know, enacting their authoritarianism on the people. But what was funny about it is, like, she would never mention the West. But that's exactly what's been happening in the West. In Canada, in Australia. Yeah, but she was just mentioning, like, either third world countries or, like, China when she was talking about like track and trace apps and things like this and abusing police powers. But it's like everything she was saying, you were thinking, well, I could apply that to the country I live in, in Britain, Australia, Canada, like all these Western countries. But you're talking about it like it's it was strictly with these countries that have a natural distrust of government and, you know, it's rocky already. Like, yeah, like it was exclusive to them. Yeah. And you're like, everything you've just explained is like a bloody checklist that I'm like, yep, I've experienced pretty much every one of them things. Yeah, and wait a minute, I don't live in a South American country either. 
Yeah, so the presenter does actually come in at this point. Well, hang on, what you've just explained is also happening in countries like Canada, where people have had their bank accounts frozen for not agreeing to the vaccine mandates. And she kind of poses that question to the Minister of Canada. And she just completely skirts around that and just starts by saying, well, firstly, I think we can be really proud of Canadians. It's like, okay, because they stood up against tyranny. Yeah. And united as a nation to stand up for their human rights. No, no. She says, because 80% of our population from five years old and up have been vaccinated. Well, and if that figure is true, that's startling. And if that is true as well, you've got them to do that through blackmail. Yeah, you forced them to do that. We should be really proud of them because, what, they did it all of their own accord. Like, you threatened them and said, if you don't get these vaccines, we're going to take away your jobs, take away all your freedoms, stop you from travelling. Yeah, they should be really proud of themselves that they gave in to that level of coercion and intimidation from their government. Yeah, like, she then goes on to say, you know, of course there's a right for peaceful protest and to make sure that we uphold that, but at the same time we're past that. (laughs) <laughs> it's like you're past that you're, you're, so you're explaining like a God-given right and then you're saying but we're past that it's like saying you know we, we believe in freedom of speech but to be honest at this point we're, we're past that so we're, we're getting rid of that I've got to say it's very totalitarian isn't it human rights we're past that your sovereign free will as an individual we're past that bodily autonomy we're, we're past, past that. that human dignity we're past that yes yeah, she says her biggest concern wasn't freezing people's bank accounts. wasn't like smashing into the truckers' trucks and dragging them out of the window and like yeah. taking their pets, shooting them in the pounds when they weren't coming to collect them, usually because they were in prison. Prison or they didn't have the money because their bank accounts were frozen so they couldn't do anything about getting their pets back anyway. Just mass murder a load of their animals. Just to create emotional distress amongst their population. Mm. I mean, that reminds me of... Uh, equilibrium where they get where they try to get him to shoot the puppy you know yeah. it's like because there's been reports of that happening in china they're rounding up everyone's pets and killing them and they were putting cats into bags and stuff i mean this is this is literally out of equilibrium this mm. this is insane you know what i mean like we're gonna kill people's pets it's like wow you know and it's not isolated they're coming for your pets people yeah so she says her biggest concern wasn't that it was the foreign interference in the protests. The convoys had been financed, in reality, from these GoFundMe campaigns and the population yeah. of Canada getting yeah. behind them. But she said, no, no, it wasn't well, she was trying to make, foreign interference. She was trying to make it out like it was Russia, or even even that we realised America. Like, oh, it was all these right-wing nationalists that from America that's come up to Canada. Yeah. Something to do with Trump. Trump, yeah. Yeah, because that's, that's the presenter's next question. Oh, do you think Donald Trump had something to do with it? And she says... I'm not naming any names, but we know there was foreign interference. And she like talks about some of the convoy, some of the truckers were arrested and they had they had arms. There was arms that were seized. Like framing them as like domestic terrorists. Mm, yeah, a peaceful convoy that did start as a perfectly legal convoy. She even all. refers to them later on, I think, as a as a national threat. And and, and you've seen that in like America as well, the reframing of you know, obviously terrorism has been like the boogeyman for a long time, but terrorists are in the Middle East. And now they've now they've sort of run out of enemies. They've turned on their own population and are focusing on domestic terrorists. Yeah. Now they're at war with their own people. Now you're the terrorists. <laughs> now we're the terrorists. Oh, my God, I'm saying the word terrorist too much. We're going to get shut down. No, but it's like them, you know, changing the language on social media. 
now they've started calling it extremist content. Mm. When you hear the word extremist, you, you know, think, straight away. And yet now people like Joe Rogan are getting labelled as extremists. He's one step away from domestic terrorists. That's, that's, they'd be calling people like Joe Rogan a terrorist. Yeah, she goes on to say that the Emergencies War Act, which is obviously what they put in place in Canada to allow them to freeze people's bank accounts and all this other crazy stuff, was used for the first time, but there's a mandatory public hearing afterwards. So somehow that makes it okay. I mean, good luck with that. Well, that's a lot of good, isn't it? They should go down for crimes against humanity. Well, didn't she go on to say about caring for the people? Yeah. She made this whole rhetoric at the end of her little speech saying, we had the best interests of the mental health of our population at the front of it. Well... Yeah, because we know that January, February, these are these are harsh winter months in Canada and, and we have people's mental health in mind and stuff. It's like, you froze people's bank accounts so they couldn't, you know, afford their heating bills. Like, you froze their bank accounts and then you might have just, like, frozen them but you care about people's mental health you had this in mind in these hard vulnerable months when you locked people in their homes stopped them from working and even froze their bank accounts yeah it's almost like how dare you even say that really and then like the presenter asked oh was that your January the 6th moment meaning the attack on Congress attack on the Senate and she sort of says no so far it was just police it was an army in force Almost like, you know, it wasn't that bad. Like, we hadn't called the army in yet. We hadn't gone full martial law tanks rolling down the street. Like, come on. But there were still the police out in the streets. There were Canadian police. Yeah, there were police. And they looked like army. They're hardly indistinguishable these days. But there was no tanks. Oh, that was a good thing. Yeah, and that happened a lot during this whole munich conference they 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 kept saying well look how bad it is in places like china like or the third world there's a part later on where bill gates refers to like rich world problems kind of makes it sound like rich people problems like oh you think it's bad here like you should see what it's like in the third world we need to spare a thought for these people stop complaining you've you've got it okay aren't you glad you're not china and you look at the moment like we're, we're getting hit constantly with this non-stop footage now from China which is pretty weird because most of the time we don't really know what's going on in China and you could argue we still don't know even though they're showing us but they're showing us there's 26 million people in Shanghai that are facing these fierce lockdowns they're locked inside their homes sometimes welded shut yeah yeah, inside they're wailing out of their towers there's like 400 people in a block and only two of them allowed to go out and get food for the entire building by the time they get to a supermarket there's no food there's mass riots yeah looting people going crazy and not like looters like people that look like they could be you know your mum and dad just scrambling for food it looks like hell we made the comparison I mean it's just this didn't look like the hooligans out in the London riots causing all the destruction of the shop, no, this shop is... fronts and the fascias. These look like genuine families who are yeah. hungry. Yeah, and you almost get the impression that, like, I don't think that's going to come here. No, me neither. But if lockdowns still came and restrictions and masks and all this stuff, but we were seeing it happening somewhere like China and it was a lot, lot worse, you can imagine people going along with it because they think, well, at least it's not China. And there'd be some people crying out for it to be like China. We should be doing what they're doing. But but at the same time, we've still got rising petrol prices, rising energy prices because of all the bollocks that was going on in Russia and Ukraine. So as much as you're lucky you haven't got it as bad as the Chinese, I think we're still getting it pretty fucking rough. Oh, yeah. With the mass inflation that's going on, the jacked up fuel prices and the price of food and everything is going through the roof. 
there's more unemployed people than ever. People are still being squeezed by COVID even now. And then suddenly this mass inflation is coming. I mean, there's already economic disaster. We're heading for a complete meltdown. Like yeah. But these but these guys, quite frankly, seem to think you should be fortunate that you're dealing with it in a rich country. Yeah, that's just rich world problems, as Bill Gates would say. That's rich world problems. So the next person gets introduced, who is the minister from Sweden. And it's funny because they sort of introduce her like, yes, you guys had a very different approach, didn't you? And you've actually uh, declared the pandemic as over. <laughs> it's not like a little difference, is it? Very, very different approaches compared to the previous woman, the foreign minister of Canada. They did have a very different approach. They didn't really have the same restrictions as everywhere else. No. And people were going to work. The economy didn't completely melt down like it did in most other countries. But they did say the road out of it was, if you want us to go in this direction, everyone has to get vaccinated. And because their population is very trusting, mm. they just went along with it. Well, this is the thing. They couldn't. They said they couldn't do that in Great Britain because we just don't trust our government. But not as, as much as them. Not though. as much as them. That in Sweden. Remember, we all said... When it hit the UK, he said, look at them lucky buggers in Sweden. Like, the Swedish government have locked them down. Why do they get to walk around and still go shopping and jogging and have a circle of 12 rather than a circle of two, you know? Yeah, or maybe we were even viewing it in a way like, yeah, Sweden just said they ain't doing it and they just carried on as if it was the people's choice. Yes. But it wasn't. It was the government saying, hey, we trust you. We trust you to do the right thing. Mm. And if you just get vaccinated, then we can not have any of these restrictions and this is the way we're, we're going to play it. And people trusted them enough just to do it. But they had a huge vaccine uptake. One of the highest in, in Europe. Europe. Yeah. So, just because they just blindly trust the government so much. So what a great way to implement your will on the population. Because that makes Softly, softly approach. Softly, softly approach. Mm. Comfort would know all about that. She says it was not just about health, but about political issues, social issues, economic issues. It, it was just the tip of the iceberg. And the reason that Sweden reacted in the way that they did was because they realised that there was going to be all kinds of repercussions on mental health and domestic violence was going to go through the roof and all this stuff. And then she kind of backs that up by saying, you know, there's, there's proof that domestic violence went up 30%. And she claims that this was worse on women, that it's caused gender equality and the pandemic's been way worse for women than men. Well, there was, whether that's true. There I had mean, to be some way of that. It's pretty hard on everyone. Well, we said there had to be some sort of way of them bringing gender, gender equality. In. Yeah. She like mentions about climate change and saying like there's other bigger problems ahead she's she's not the only person to make that reference either bill bill gates late later on says oh yeah climate change like you know dwarfs what the pandemic is yeah is like and it's going to cost you know infinitely more to fix as a problem you can tell they're, but, they're, but, but they're still, all queuing still, this up for the but, future but still fixable oh yeah but still fixable with hundreds of trillions like yeah a monetary value attached to it and, and and they all say the same thing, like, oh, yeah, the pandemic's bad and stuff, but nothing compared to climate change. You wait till that comes along. So they're, they're always hammering that point at home. It's always in the background somewhere. So then it goes back to Gates, and they're talking about the economic damage. And he, he calls it a rare disease and chuckles. And he says, uh, COVID was a rare disease that struck middle-income and rich countries more than low-income. And usually it's the other way around. So he's letting us know that, Covid, I mean, we all know this already. It's affected the West. It's affected Europe. Yeah, it, yeah. Really, if you look at this as like a war, 
or like a strategic move he's been in called, like a psyop. He's been called the war on COVID, hasn't it? The media, yeah. the media have used that terminology. But if you view it more as like a, a war on the general population, as a strategic move, you would want to take out the West first. You would want to take out Europe and America and Canada and Australia and all these colonial countries. Like You want to take out the most powerful countries first when I say powerful, people might say, well, China's powerful. The people aren't. The people aren't empowered. Most of the people... They, they, they might have the numbers, but the populace, you know... Well, there's no middle classes. No, there's no people... There's either the mega rich or most of the country living in poverty. Yeah. Whereas in Western countries, there's a lot of middle classes, people that own their own businesses, people that can fend for themselves and yeah. aren't reliant on the government. Well, yeah, you don't want them people when, when your plan is a new world order. They're the people you want to get rid of first. Yeah. So, of course, the pandemic, if you're viewing it through this lens of it's actually part of a new world order takeaway. Takeaway. New world <laughs> order takeaaway, please. And, oh, get fries with that. No, of course, if you're viewing the pandemic as a psyop, as part of a New World Order takeover or installing the Great Reset or whatever you want to call it, of course it would affect the Western countries, the countries where people have their own businesses and they need to remove their livelihoods, make them dependent on the state, so they can bring in, like we've talked about in our Chinese democracy episode, this China regime of control, this technocratic control grid. All the Hunger Games film series. Yeah, right. Yeah, this yeah, this Hunger Games society, this cyber grid empire where everything is tracked and traced and they talk about again in this Munich conference they talk about mass surveillance yeah. many times over. This is another point where the, that they bring in Ted Ross of, of course we know is responsible for pushing track and trace out onto the world. And he talks about mass surveillance and that's another thing that this has massively increased just like with 9/11. Oh, God, now I've said 9-11 as well. We're saying all the buzzwords. So Bill Gates, who's definitely a one for words, then says, I think it's great when a disease... It just start, That's how he starts the sentence. Mm. I think it's great when a disease... The mm. way he phrases stuff. Like, oh, sadly... Like, yeah, sadly. Natural immunity did a better job than vaccines. Oh, I think it's great when a disease... Does what? Don't Kills it. children. It's Who great. starts a sentence like that? It's great when you get cancer... Wasn't it great when AIDS just killed half of Africa? He says, I think it's great when a disease like this has the benefit of people thinking about the impacts of global health every day uh, and being reminded of the inequity of global health yeah. on a daily basis. Like, well, that's one great thing about a pandemic. It gets people thinking about, you know, how important what I do is. The WHO, me, Bill Gates. It gets people thinking about me. And that's what I think so great about a disease about my organization all the yeah. good work that we do and don't worry i've got a whole future set for you lot whether it be pandemics or vaccines come to granddaddy gates yeah gates asks where do these countries priorities lie because he's kind of saying oh you know they've, they've suffered because they haven't had these vaccines and they couldn't borrow money comfort said 12 percent of africans compared to 71 percent europeans had had exposure to the vaccine bearing in mind not a lot of africans like we said one put i think covid high up on the priority of diseases that they're worried about bearing in mind they have rife hiv and ebola in certain places so and malaria uh, and malaria so i don't think a little cold is really going to bother most africans and secondly if they know the sort of damage an organisation like the WHO has probably done in certain African countries, do they want to take them up? 
yeah, on all... because they've been a test bed. They've been experimented on for decades with these vaccines and suffered the injuries from them. And like we've spoken about before, Bill Gates was banned from a number of these countries. I think it was like 17 countries or so. So is it little or no surprise that there hasn't been a massive uptake of the vaccine yeah. in And Africa. like Bill Gates said earlier, there's an oversupply. Well, yeah, you don't mention that's because... A lot of people were refusing these things. And even people that have had one or two don't want a third. Bill Gates then says about, you know, when asked about inflation, he says, well, there's always inflation in Africa. You know, third world countries always have inflation. I mean, these are really rich world problems. And yeah, it kind of just skirts over it by saying, well, you know, these problems that people face in the West, like they're nothing compared to third world countries. Like spare a little for for them. Be a bit more thoughtful like me, Bill Gates, the philanthropist. Think of all the good work I do. You don't have flies landing on you. Think yourself lucky. Well, neither do I, because I go around in a private helicopter. <laughs> Dropping flies on them. <laughs> then we go to the CEO of Crisis Comfort, who bangs on about Africa and the inequality, once again, just says everything that she said previously in a new jumbled-up way. Never gets to an actual point. No. no. And she must say, build back better about ten times. We were going, ding, every time she was saying it. It was like family fortunes. In in the period of, I think it was about 15 seconds, maybe 20, she said it three times. Oh, she was, yeah, she was, she was going for it. And she was saying, when we say build back better, do we really mean build back better? And she just like, kept saying it like a, like a robot. If, if she hasn't been to the Klaus Schwab Young Leaders programme, she's definitely a candidate for it. She's really gunning for it. Oh, like, oh come she, on. She's right behind their doctrine. Yeah, Jesus. Build back better. Choose me. It's like the X factor for these people. Yeah. Getting chosen for like, please. I want to be in the Claire Schwab School of Excellence. It's like Harry Potter. Yeah. Was my performance at the Munich Security Conference good enough? Do you think Claire Schwab noticed me saying build back better? It was a bit desperate. You said it about ten times. It was overkill. Oh, no. I just wanted to get noticed. I just wanted to build back better. We know. And we will. Then, like, the presenter says her little bit again. Like, you can tell at this point she feels a little bit... You know, there are always big, important people on stage. So she like does a little boast about, yeah, this isn't my first rodeo, you know. I've been to, like, Saudi Arabia before with Ted Ross and been on a humanitarian board. So I've done stuff before. I thought that was a pretty loud boast from, from, our, completely irrelevant. from, our, from our host. You know, she didn't even have to bring that up. No. It was completely She mild. just throws it out there to just be like, yeah, no. And of all places. You're and Ted Ross, who's coming later, don't worry. She makes the point again. Oh, yeah. He's going to be here, people. As if there's people in the crowd. Ted Ross, Ted Ross. Man, come on, where's Ted Ross? Yeah, man, fuck this opening act. I want Ross to come out. Ted Ross. Ross, 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 Ross. <laughs> where's the Rossinator, man? <laughs> and this guy's got literally like the personality of a broom handle. Yeah, it's not like... With that. a little beard on it. And it's a curly like little... Like a frilly Brillo pad on, on, the, on the head of it. He's the main act. Don't worry, he's coming, people. He's coming. He's on his way. But yeah, she puts her like little, yeah, like me and Ted Ross, we're buddies. We've been in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia as well. What a humanitarian. I mean, those humanitarian, guys, guys have the worst record of them. Yeah, aren't they some of the worst human rights abusers going? <laughs> yeah, it's a humanitarian. It's like, why were you at Epstein's Island? Philanthropy. <laughs> Why were you like partying with the Saudis? Humanitarian. So before or after you were chopping prisoners' hands off? Well, you've seen him dancing around with swords. You've seen Trump doing it. You've seen them all doing it. And it's like, 
Okay. They like love bombing the shit out of all these other Middle Eastern countries. Like, they're barbarians. But the Saudis, they're like, they're our friends. <laughs> <laughs> they have lots of oil. <laughs> they're pretty powerful. You don't want to fuck with them. You don't really want to fuck with us either, especially when we have the trillion dollar weapons arms contract with them. They're friends with benefits. Even if you have to do the fucking sword dance. Because they hate doing it. You can see even Trump's like, <laughs> like... You know, they have to do some mad shit when they go over there. Our good friends, the Arabs over in Saudi Arabia. Not that we really like Muslims or anything. They make us do this little dance. It's pretty humiliating. But we do it for the arms deals and... Oil. It's a two-way thing. So the Canadian woman comes back on the scene and she's asked about the media and disinformation... And she kind of shakes it off and says her main worries were that the disinformation was fueling things like vaccine hesitancy. And she was more bothered where it's really coming from. They like kept making this point of like, you know, finding out where it's coming from. It's like the general population. People are not getting information from the mainstream media about what's going on. So they're going on the Internet and sharing information, i.e., oh, my brother had the vaccine and this happened to him or... We're not happy with what's going on at the moment. Should we all meet up and go to a protest or form a Facebook group so we can talk about this freely and openly because we can't do it anywhere else? But they're sort of making out each and every time like it's through foreign interference. Where are these disinformation campaigns coming from? I mean, it seems like they're coming from all over. Like, Almost like they're, they've infected every home. These are people's just living rooms. These are people's just general conversations. This isn't so much as misinformation. This is more the spreading of free opinion. Where you actually can't, since the mass censorship we've seen on social media platforms through this whole mess, you actually can't say what you want to say or feel and there's plenty of stuff to even stop you from even posting it before you even yeah. want so yeah or well, you will get banned or cancelled in some form or another cancelled if you're a famous celebrity and like banned or shadow banned or whatever if you're just a nobody like us just a small little independent podcast we've got a 90 day restriction at the moment on our instagram the likes were going way up before that some of them in the thousands and then Restrictions coming. Don't worry, our audience still know we're here. I'm sure this. I'm sure the ninety day one is like the the third strike and you're out. I'm sure the one after this is like a an actual ban or something. I don't know. I don't know how it works, but it's incremental. Yeah, the presenter sort of comes back and says, "Well, you know, is it any wonder that people don't trust the mainstream media when people like Fauci are giving different information every day?" Which, which, is, which is true, we see the compilation and video of him just wear a mask, don't wear a mask, wear three masks, wear eight masks, wear no masks, let your dog wear a mask, don't, <laughs> you, don't you let your dog wear a mask. Yeah, you can literally watch YouTube videos, can't you, and it's just one after the next, like this this guy just contradicts himself on like a daily basis, and he's ended up now just saying pretty much do what you want, just assess the risk, you know, for yourself, it's like, well we were saying that from day one. <laughs> So she says Fauci gives different information every day and Anna Lund just responds by saying, well, we know that science evolves. <sighs> Does science flip-flop? <laughs> it is okay. It's not okay. It will kill you. It will make you feel all right. I can understand some aspects of science could evolve, but... They don't go up and down like a yo-yo. That they don't do. I mean, the common cold used to be fine. and Apparently now it can kill you. She She talks about again who's behind these disinformation campaigns and then like she even mocks people that have done their own research on the internet and says well a lot of people are living in a virtual reality only get your truth from the tv anything else is virtual reality 
See, I told you, I told you it's true. It said it on the TV, I saw it right there. Don't go listening to that Joe Rogan guy. He has no idea what he's talking about. He's living in a virtual reality. The people that come on his show, they know nothing. It's so condescending. So Bill Gates then gets asked, do you think the media's done a good job of policing itself? Which he just says, yeah, they've done a great job. (laughs) Doesn't even put up any fight there. He's like, yeah, they've done a good job. Then he quickly says, it was a little too bad. His language is just unbelievable. That the death number, like he follows that playful bit of language with, the death number. It was a little too bad that the death number <laughs> that was published on a daily basis didn't say how many of them people were unvaxxed and how many were vaxxed. Oh, well, I, yeah. I thought it was pretty horrific that we had to see the death rate every day. Yeah, because, oh, that would scare the shit out of people even more, would it? Bearing in mind, the number probably would be more because of all the fake stats and the manipulation that went on there. Oh, yeah, it's what you'd get the real actual figure from what was coming from the mainstream media. Well, he said it would be a phenomenal difference between them. And the more people that saw that would rush out and get vaccinated. Right, phenomenal difference. But at the start of this, you said that natural immunity did a better job than even the vaccine. So where's the phenomenal difference? Yeah. Yeah, he then says, of the scale of misinformation, once you move past the mainstream media, is so wild you almost have to laugh at it. And then he just says, he just gives us like the soundbite of the century and says, I mean, you know, Dr. Fauci and I are are killing millions of people to make money. He actually says them words. Mm -hmm. And again, it's like Jimmy Savile. I'm going to say this. I'm going to give you this soundbite. I'm going to say the words, Dr. Fauci and I are killing millions of people to make money. And because I'm going to say that out loud, it's going to give me a kick. Because I'm a psychopath and I, and I get off on saying this in front of you and you still not realising what oh, I'm really doing. It's just as well he was sitting down because there would have been a rising in the trousers. That's probably why he's slumped so so badly on his chair. He's like, I'm hiding, stiffy rising. I've got the jab for you. Just like Jimmy Savile would say something like, I'm feared in every girls' school across the country. It's like, why would he say that? Yeah. Well, there's like even a bit where he says, oh, up in a castle or something. Oh, what do you do there? And he's like, we kidnap girls and we sell them. Oh, oh it's just a joke. But Bill Gates is the same. He, he enjoys saying things. Like when he said, oh, you just take, take the needle and you just inject it up into the little kid's arm. And he's getting all excited. People like, think they have a choice. They don't have a choice. He says hydroxycorp. Apparently is this miracle cure and somehow me and Fauci have masterminded avoiding saving lives by like suppressing this cure that's not a cure. Okay, but that isn't what the majority of people are saying. The majority of people are saying you're killing people with the jabs. Yeah. And this stuff, it's experimental. We don't know the long-term effects of it, etc., etc. But no, you're making out all, all these conspiracy theorists think that me and Fauci are hiding a cure. No, they don't. You're forcing people into getting an experimental gene therapy concoction that never been used before in the general populace. Yeah, he gets asked about the mask, you know, the mask issue, and he just like sniggers and makes this kind of comment like, oh, it's so bad, like really sarcastic, like, oh, people have to wear a mask. I mean, how terrible, like how cruel that society would make you do that. And then like he says, oh, yeah, I mean, you, when you go out, you have to wear pants. It's tough stuff, this. Like, society is so cruel for making you wear pants. It's like, n- n- no one makes you wear trousers, Bill. We go out and wear them in public because that's what normal humans do. A mask isn't normal. Yeah, he actually says, like, what downside is there to wearing a mask? And he's like, 
on our new normal episode where we talk about Marcy, you know, we, we, we've broken this down over oh, like, like 30 minutes or something. Yeah, <laughs> saying the whole list of reasons that masks are not a good thing from you depriving yourself of oxygen, breathing in your own carbon dioxide and filth from the mask to the social implications of it, the effects on children, their learning. It just goes on and on and on. And he's there like, tell me one downside to it. And the journalists don't say anything. No. They just make a joke like, huh, I'm glad you have got the pants on. It's like, like wow. wow. Like you call yourself a journalist. You thought that was the time to crack a joke, like a bad joke. Well... I mean, I quite like the fact that they were like, please keep your pants on, Bill. And he was just kind of like, oh, yeah, well, I've been on the front cover of magazines, so. But yeah, still, it's like, that was the perfect time to go, well, actually, there are a lot of downsides to masks. Bam, data, data, data. It was just softball, wasn't it? The whole way through, it was like, they made out like they were grilling them sometimes, but they weren't. They were just letting these people just have free reign to chat their bollocks. Gates goes on to praise Australia and says because they had SARS-CoV-1 previously. They were a SARS-CoV outlier. They had better quarantine policies and they had diagnostics from the start. So the fake tests and... <laughs> better better facilities for locking people up. In. Hmm. Yeah, totalitarianism really kicked into warp speed over there straight away, which was great because they'd already had practice with COVID-1. Yeah, our poor, our poor Australian friends. Yeah, so he like praises them and then gleefully lists the effects of COVID outside of just COVID as a disease and talks about the cost of the pandemic on the population. But when he's explaining things like this, he's always got a big smile on his face, like he's imagining it all and getting excited by it. <laughs> all these lives ruined, all the different things that it's affected, mental health, domestic violence, oh, the economy, <laughs> People's health, not to mention the mRNA. <laughs> it's like a billionaire's playground. <laughs> and then he can't wait as well to crowbar a bit of climate change in there and tell us like, oh, but COVID's nothing compared to climate change. I mean, we're talking 10, 20 trillion. These are big numbers. These are the kind of numbers it would take to fix climate change. And then says, oh, the global surveillance for world health would only cost a billion a year. And what he means by that is everyone doing track and trace. Yeah. All our governments having full access to our medical records. Every time you get a sniffle, it's gone down somewhere. But look how much cheaper it is than fixing climate change, but which I can also fix. It's a bargain. I'm not going to haggle. But then he goes on to talk about, like, in the future, with more funding, we would be able to create more magic vaccines, diagnosis and therapeutics for less than 100 billion over the next decade. And he says the word magic. I didn't say that for effect there. No, he does say the word magic. He actually magic. says magic vaccines, diagnostics and therapeutics. Magic. What do you think when the word magic is used? Trickery. Illusion. Like magic diagnostics are what? Like the, the test that ping positive for a disease they don't actually test for. I mean, that sounds like magic to me. Or as, or as magic as the fact that none of this stuff ever existed. Yeah, it's all just an illusion. Every part of it. And again, like in the Savile, Jimmy Savile documentary that we watched recently, they were calling him a conjurer. They were saying, oh yeah, he could cast a spell over people, put them in a trance. And they showed some picture of Jimmy Savile in this green and gold gown looking at the camera and you thought bloody hell yeah he does look like a like an evil magician or something yeah, and like, like a satanic gandalf yeah and when bill, 
And when Bill Gates come out with the magic vaccines, it's like, yeah. what a weird thing to say. I mean... He, he, he says so many odd things. We said, is he saying, oh, it's because we got them developed that quickly? So fast and against all odds, we've done such a brilliant job. He's saying it in that way, but what word to use? Magic. Yeah. At the end of the day, whether it's the mass media fear machine or individuals like Bill Gates... They're manipulating people's perceptions, their realities, and that could be classed as a form of dark magic. It certainly would have been in the past before we would have called it brainwashing or mind manipulation or mind control. You know, these are modern terms. Yeah. Well, in the past, they would have said magic or well, dark magic. Even even in the beginning, Gates goes through that. In the beginning, there was Gates. <laughs> in the beginning of this whole talk, he actually goes through that very first paragraph about. Africa and the diseases, when you're realising he has no clue what he's talking about, but yet he ends the sentence with, and that's just not true. Like, he adds that bit in at the end, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. There's a part where he's explaining something, and then he slips in the words, and that's not true, like negating what he's just said. So there's a lot of Savile-style trickery where he's kind of weaving stuff in there, but is he joking? Is he being sarcastic? What bit is he being truthful about? Or distruthful? Yeah, because he is sarcastic a lot as well. But... So so with someone like Savile. Yeah. So you never really know, are we saying, oh, I'm feeding every girls' school around the country? Well, he might be. But if he makes a joke out of it, and if he hides it in plain sight, you can't really see it. It is like a form of trickery. Don't watch this hand, watch this hand. <laughs> I bet that's a trick he pulled quite a few times. I can't see it, but I can feel it. That's the magic you can feel. Both Jimmy Savile and Bill Gates philanthropists as well. Yes. Jimmy Savile gave all this, all these millions that he raised for children's charities. Well, he made like 10 million or 8 million in three years. I bet he had a foundation. Jimmy Savile was giving to children's charities, was actually abusing children. Bill Gates says, oh, I'm, I'm all about, you know, saving the world and global health. But he's actually destroying global health. And also, he's been to Epstein's Island, so you might also like having a little fiddle like Jimmy. Yeah, maybe. You never know. The presenter then has the cheek to ask Gates... So originally you wanted 70% at least of the world population to be vaxxed. Do you think that that's still a target that you can hit? Well, first of all, Gates turns around and goes, what? He wasn't even listening. <laughs> then she has funny. to repeat herself and he's like, no, it's too late. I mean, there's a lot of diseases out there. The demand just doesn't exist. And then like he sort of comes out again and says, like, countries need to set their priorities. And it's like he's pissed off with her asking the question. I got the vibe, actually, that he was sort of pissed off that I wanted every country to be like Australia. Yeah. And I can't believe that we didn't hit our targets. Why didn't 70% of people have the vaccine? We've done everything right. The fact that they pushed it that hard on us. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't almost like a free choice for a lot of people. There was a lot of positions, like the nurses in England, that were almost mandated into getting it. So it's not like people took it out of their free will, Bill. That 70% figure that you missed probably didn't even get close to, I feel like. That wasn't because you didn't try hard enough. Oh, no, you tried fucking hard enough. Then a bloke from the audience asks a question after this. And he starts off by asking it with his mask on. And he's like... (laughs) In in the end, he just takes it off like bloody thing. And he's just like... (laughs) That was so so stupid. (laughs) Yeah. And you just think, oh, my God. Because when they all walked out at the beginning, I'm not sure we mentioned, actually, but they went masks on. They sat down and they just took them instantly off. It's such a charade. Yeah, isn't it's, it? yeah oh, it's, thing. it's ridiculous. What well, yeah. COVID just disappeared as soon as you went out on the stage. Like the stage is protected, COVID free. I'm sitting down now. It's the same rules as it is in the pubs and the bars. 
Like, oh, once you're sitting down, it's like COVID's like, God damn it. Can't believe they sit down. I'll just float around nearby until they stand up. Oh, damn it, they put a mask on. I'll wait till they sit down again. After the guy in the audience speaks, Bill Gates kind of leans across, like he's hoping the mic's not going to pick it up, and he says, like, where is he from? And then the two ladies are like, um, India. I think he's from India. And he's like, Bangladesh. <laughs> no one was listening to this guy. And my God, was he boring. I mean, Ooh. I'm not going to be meaning the fact he did have a quite a thick Bangladeshi accent, but I think it was some shameful shit that they just assumed. You know? <laughs> yeah, Indian, I guess. Bill Gates just uses his question as another opportunity to talk about mRNA and saying that next time around we could solve the problem if all the vaccines were mRNA and they could therefore produce them quicker. They just needed money from the world governments to launch this new program. Or It always points to just more money back well, to them. So next time they can do a better job and they're so sure next time's round the corner. A lot of it is about the inclusiveness of the member states, the people paying into the WHO. We'll share this information with you. We'll help you get through it. But by the way, we still want two billion of you a year. And, you know, it's nothing in the scheme of things. Look at climate change. That could cost 20 trillion. So he then gets asked, is it possible to prevent the next pandemic? And Gates just says, well, if every country did what Australia did, then you wouldn't be calling it a pandemic. That's all. And he's like, what? Well, yeah, I guess you're right. If every country done what Australia did, we wouldn't be calling it a pandemic. We'd be calling it a new world order takeover. A, a global fascist dictatorship. Sounds like we live in 1984. <laughs> yeah, George Orwell's 1984. Resident Evil Zero. <laughs> yeah, and, and he just kind of shrugs and sits back down in his chair like a moody teenager again, annoyed that she asked the question, what well, if everyone had done what Australia did? It's like if, if every country had gone that full on, then there would have been riots across all of Europe, all of America. Like, people wouldn't have stood for it. No. And it would have cost, caused mass chaos where governments of the world would have had to enforce martial law and there would have been armies out on the street. So, I, yeah, I guess, Bill, you are right. We wouldn't be calling it a pandemic. No. We'd be no. calling it something else. And yet again, he's telling you. be a goddamn revolution. Well, yeah. I think it would be because these fuckers wouldn't wouldn't win if they just went for the full power grab all in one go. That's why they haven't played it like that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because it's a numbers game and there's a lot more of us. And if, if it all happened at once, people would wake up. It would be like a cattle prod. But going the speed that they're going, many of us are awake to what's happening, but many people aren't. It's like boiling a, a lobster in a pot on the slow cook. You know, if you throw it in there at maximum heat, it might jump out again, but you do it over a long time. So you know, a lobster in a boiling pot will just stay in there until it's boiled alive. So then finally, Ted Ross turns up. The man you've all been waiting for. Don't worry, people, he's here. <laughs> Coming with like the 80s music. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, everyone. He, he gets up quite... Awkwardly out of the middle of the audience. It's like all, all along Ted Ross was almost sitting there, doesn't it? Initially, he just looks like someone passes in the mic just into the audience. It's like, oh, was he there all along? Yeah, he gets on the stage and then the lady called Comfort, the lady I'm calling her now, I was calling her a boggling earlier. I think I feel bad now. Mm, no, I don't actually. Evil bitch. No, she like sort of says to him, like, oh, you can sit where I sit if you want. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, he has to have his little podium, doesn't he? And like three like masked gimps 
Yeah, the lackeys that come on bringing on the podium for him. Yeah, Bill Gates and everyone else, they're not wearing masks. But the slaves that wheel on Ted Ross's like podium to, to speak out on as a, as a preacher of science. Trust the science. Here's your pulpit, my master. Dr. Ted Ross, not a doctor. Preacher man. <laughs> yeah, so they wheel out this podium. Just put it right in front of comfort. I know, so she's got a view of Ted Ross's arse. <gasps> oh, that's comfortable for you, comfort. <laughs> that's a carbon emission. <laughs> this is very comfortable for me. <laughs> How about you, comfort? <laughs> is it a comfortable view? One of the compares said, like, well, this is what happens when you're late. <laughs> and her and the other girl have a giggle and she's like, oh, can I say that? You know, like like she's scared of insulting, like, Emperor Ted Ross. It's like the same with Bill Gates, the way they sort of treat him. It's like, oh. Like these people like Elon Musk or Bill Gates, they're never grilled, are they? Almost like these, like, these gurus, these tech gurus, these holy men. The fact that even two foreign ministers got called Her Excellency at the beginning of the video was pretty outrageous. Yeah, but they're treating Bill Gates and Ted Ross like they're like higher up than them. So what? what's their title? You're, you're Emperor! Bill and Ted, wild stallions. <laughs> <laughs> you're wild stallion-ness. <laughs> yeah, the first thing that Ted Ross does is, is apologise for being late and he kind of labours over this a little bit like, I'm very sorry we were... I mean, the flight took an hour, but the... The journey in the car took just as long. We got stuck in a tunnel. It, it was a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, we got stuck in a tunnel. They're like telling you all about it. Traffic was crazy, man. I mean, air traffic was fine. I mean, when you fly on private jet, it's easy. You know, Munich to Brussels, one hour. I haven't been this late for a meeting since I rode on Lolita Express. <laughs> I joke, I joke. <laughs> but seriously... You know, we've been waiting for this guy for so long, you'd expect him to get up and, like, warm up the crowd a yeah. little bit. I, I know you've been waiting for, for Terras. I see, I see. Thanks for warming them up, yeah, no. <laughs> Bill. Bill, I noticed you didn't have the dry ice and the confetti coming from the ceiling. It's okay, it's okay. Not everyone could pay for a big intro for Ted, but, you know, I'm here now. I'm here. <laughs> I come all the way from Brussels, you know, busy man. <laughs> but save the fireworks. I don't do it for that reason. <laughs> I do it for global health. I care about people, you know. Well, secretly, I really do it for Bill, because he's the one who pays me. Yes, I'm Gates' puppet. <laughs> the Ted Ross accent we do is all over the place. <laughs> he says, none of us ever imagined we would be entering the third year of this pandemic. And Bill's probably thinking, I did. <laughs> and he's like, the question I always get asked is, is it ending? Is it ending now? And you're like, well, the people in Sweden said it's already ended. <laughs> so yeah, the people in Canada <laughs> seem to think quite the opposite. In fact, we've got two panellists on this panel that think it's okay to freeze people's bank accounts and take away all their freedoms for not having the vaccine for it. Whereas another one of those foreign ministers thinks, it's okay, we'll try to softly, softly approach on people, we'll just gradually do it anyway. He says, there is a dangerous narrative spreading that the pandemic is over, but it is not. 70,000 people a week are dying of a preventable disease. Well, where the hell is the proof of that? 70,000 people a week are dying, okay. Like, show me the stats of that. And from a preventable disease, how do we know this is not just like the flu? Even if it exists, because you've never proven that. But let's just pretend that it is. Yeah. Let's go into the world of magic, as Bill said. Let's just imagine it's a real flu virus or a real cold virus. How do we know that it's preventable? 
And in, in, in the scheme of things, I'd love to see that 70k a week compared to heart disease, strokes, mm. cancers, yeah, that's high cholesterol, obesity, diabetes. I mean, the list just goes on and on. Car crashes. Does that 70,000 people a Go week... Go crime! Does that 70,000 a week account for the millions of people that could be dying out in China right now? Of starvation. Starvation! Then, that's another one. Suicide! No, 70,000... From what as well? Because as far as I'm concerned, that could be 70,000 people dying from COVID or 70,000 people dying from relax. Yeah. And he says uh, 83% of Africa. Africa has just been such a recurring theme they in this must, whole yeah. thing. They're, they're, they're basically saying, oh, our biggest fuck up in the pandemic was just not getting more vaccines to Africa. But he says 83% of Africa haven't got a single dose and health systems continue to crack under strain across the world. So no, it's not over and... A highly transmissible disease is circulating around the world almost unchecked. Mm. He likes mm. things being checked, tracked and traced. Oh, yes. This guy. This is Ted Rosswich. He's out. not very happy about that. But he's like, with too little surveillance. I mean, like, are you fucking kidding? It's like, we haven't got enough, well, like I said before, but you haven't got enough access to all our data, our medical records. Yeah. You know, where we just happen to go to a pub just for a drink. You had to track and trace for when you were outside in the beer garden. I mean, yeah, that's, right. pre- that's pretty drastic. Well, that's pretty drastic. they're doing a lot of track and tracing of people. But Ted Ross goes on to say that with too little surveillance to track the evolution of COVID and the more variants to come. Oh. But what they're really doing is tracking the movement of people, people, tracking and tracing people's every move, every transaction, monitoring them more. I mean, you know the next step is going to be bringing in this china style facial recognition camera equipment everywhere if it's not bloody installed already you we test bed in it at the moment probably yeah i wouldn't be surprised he then says we have the tools we have the know-how and he starts to talk about the act accelerator and that the fact that they need 16 billion dollars from all countries to start up this supercharged project for the next pandemic and then next time around they can like bill gates said get everything out there in within six months rather than two years all we need is 16 billion dollars and he says to make vaccines tests treatments and pp everyone else says ppe he says pp like i done pp in my panties very weird but yeah test treatments and pp compared with the cost of another year of economic turmoil 16 billion dollars is frankly peanuts Sixteen billion dollars is peanuts, mm. but he's what he's weighing up there is saying this is the money we want you to give us, so we can keep this whole charade of madness yeah. going on. They're basically saying, look, unless you want economic turmoil, you better take our vaccines anytime we say so. Yeah, and now we can get the vaccines out within six months of the new virus appearing. Yeah, he talks about stronger governance and stronger collaboration next time and countries need to work together more and basically calling for more centralised power. Globalism, more globalism. No world order, some people call it. I like to call it stronger collaboration. In a way, this is what they've always pushed towards. I mean, when it comes to the WHO, they are now like the scientists that we're told to trust, to to put all our trusts... Trust your science, trust Bill Gates, trust the WHO. Trust in me, just in me. Exactly. Trust Ted Ross, trust Fauci. They've got your best interests at heart. So he says 194 member states are to get together to set, his words, the rules of the game for the next pandemic. 
194 member states. I mean, what he's talking about is that it's already like the new world order. Yeah. Like that many people singing off the same sheet. It's like all the countries that are part of the World Economic Forum and the, all the world leaders that have been schooled at the same World Economic Forum Klaus Schwab School for Young Leaders, or whatever mm. it's called. If that's the title, it's not very snappy. No. But it's definitely evil. <laughs> and, yeah, you're like, you're all just reading off the same script. He goes on to say, we need more global surveillance, of course, and the WHO requires another 10 billion on top of the current 20 billion they currently receive from membership states. And with this stronger financing, they can tackle the next pandemic, which, according to Ted Ross, just like Bill Gates, is just around the corner. So he ends it by saying, when will the pandemic end? It will end when we choose to end it, because ultimately it's not a matter of chance, it's a matter of choice. Now, he's obviously talking about put your trust in science, trust the science, trust them, trust the WHO, take the vaccines, we're offering you the road out of here, and this can end if you just choose our way. But if we actually take his quote and oh, apply it like word for word, yeah, word for word, mm -hmm, yeah. and actually apply it to us, Thank the you. population at large. Thank you for this one, Ted Ross. Yeah, cheers for these wise words, because once you apply this to us, the pushbackers, the resistance to all this madness, it actually becomes quite poignant. When will the pandemic end? It will end when we choose to end it, because ultimately it's not a matter of chance, it's a matter of choice. And that choice is really in our hands. No one is going to save us. Not Bill Gates, not Elon Musk, not the billionaires, not the WHO or our governments or the mainstream media. These people are not our friends. They're not going to come to our rescue. No one's going to save us but ourselves. No, it's up to us to stand up and fight. And, and through mass non-compliance, we can say no to the future that these people have planned for us because it is our own choice and it ends when we say so. I hope you enjoyed that episode of The Schism. We've got plenty more episodes on the way. In the meantime, follow us on our Instagram at schism.tv and keep watching the skies.